Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 22 today. Genesis chapter 22. I'd like to speak this morning on the subject of what type of son are you? I'm 65. My dad went home to be with the Lord a year ago summer at the age of 91. And I tried most of the time to be a good son to him. The last five or so years of his life, his health was going downhill. And whenever I was in California, I would drive 84 miles each way every Monday to spend time with him. And I travel about 110 days a year, so I wasn't always there. But I was in town, I would go. My wife taught a cooking class on Monday night. And so I would just leave after school at five, drive down there. It took me about an hour and 45 minutes to get there. I could get home because it'd be traffic. I'd get home about an hour and 15. Early on, I would take him out for a hamburger at a place called The Habit or go get some fajitas. Uh, just something in our family. We like fajitas. And uh, we'd go do that. And later, he couldn't get out and then became bedridden. And uh, the Lord allowed him to go home and be with him in August one year ago, a year ago last August. I missed my dad. His counsel was important to me. I know he prayed for me every day. Um, he was the best man in my wedding. He had a big impact in my life. And then when that happened, the Lord brought something to my mind. I have another father. He's my heavenly father. And what kind of son am I to him? Something to think about. Let's read the text, Genesis 22, verses 1 through 9. The Bible says this. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. The word try, there would be a good word for that as well. And said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and sat on his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him of. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? And Abraham said, My God, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. You know what happened. Abraham, the Bible clearly teaches, thought that God was going to have him kill his son and God was going to raise him up from the dead. Amazing thing. I have only one son. The crypt says two sons. I couldn't imagine being told to kill my son. It just is, is beyond the pale, beyond what I could comprehend. But Abraham believed God. By the way, the Bible says it was counted to him for righteousness. But in this particular passage, we see a good model of the right kind of son. Genesis is broken up into two parts. Genesis chapters 1 through 11 is creation, the fall, redemption, the flood, 
the Tower of Babel. Genesis 12 through 50 deals really with the lives of four men. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Of these four men, by far the least amount is said about Isaac. But I believe in this short passage we see a great illustration, a great type for us, a great example for us that we can learn from. And it is my goal that as we look at these brief lessons, you might say, Lord, would you help me to do some of these things that Isaac did so I could please you as Isaac pleased his father? Let's pray this morning. Lord, I pray you bless down these next minutes. Lord, I pray that what is said and done will please and honor you. I thank you for friends here that we've met over the years, some we've taught, some we've just known, gotten to know here in the church here at Victory. I pray you bless them. I thank you for how you brought this church through a very difficult time with the weather issues and how the remodel came out looking so beautiful. Lord, I pray you help as they take the next step to help the outside of the buildings look beautiful as well. I know that would be a, a great thing to do. Lord, I pray that you protect pastor and his wife and give them the strength and the wisdom they need to lead this ministry. I pray you help those who are going to hold up their arms and help this church to go forward for the cause of Christ. Lord, we thank you that we know this morning you're here with us because where two or three are gathered together, you're there in the midst. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll speak to hearts this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to share some simple precepts this morning that I hope you will listen to. I've got some illustrations. There's seven quick thoughts, all from these few verses we shared. Number one about Isaac, he was willing to follow his father. He was willing to follow his father. What an amazing statement. Are you following your heavenly father? Are you willing to say as the Lord Jesus Christ said, I'm here to do the will of my father. I must be about my father's business. There was a songwriter a number of years ago, back in the 1800s, whose name was W.O. Cushing. He wrote a song called Follow On. You probably might not recognize the title, but you'll recognize some of the words. Follow, follow, I would follow Jesus. Anywhere, everywhere, I will follow him. Are you willing to follow? By the way, all three verses start the same way. Down in the valley with my Savior I would go. Uh, sometimes in the Christian life there's difficult times. There's hard times. I'm a believer that everyone will have a difficulty in one of these areas. With family, physical health, or finances. If it hasn't happened, it will happen. But you know what? He's the God of the valley. Just as much as he is the God of the mountaintop. You could trust him. You go through difficulties. I don't understand why my mom, who kissed one man her entire life, never smoked, never drank, was a pastor's wife, had seven kids, died of cancer in her 50s. Can't explain it. His ways are not our ways. His ways are past finding out. Difficulty. Sometimes it's the heartache of divorce. That's a difficult thing. My wife and I are both preacher's kids. My dad pastored the same church for 50 years. He died at 91. Her father died at 93, faithful to the end. And both of us have siblings who've gotten divorced. Difficult. By the way, 
all the siblings in both families graduated from Bible college. That doesn't guarantee that bad things might happen to good people. There's valleys. God wants us to follow him. Abraham said, he rose early in the morning, in verse number three, he took with him two young men, Isaac his son. Now, right away there's something that most of us don't like. Early in the morning. Early in the morning. How many of you would consider yourself a morning person? My wife is one. Anyone like that besides her? DJ, don't you dare raise your hand. Okay, so, all right. A few, few morning people here. I, if it were up to me, if it were up to me, I'd go to bed about 1 o'clock every morning and get up about 8. And start my day about 9. But I have a problem. I teach every day at 7.20 in the morning. That's a problem. And I've got to get up, shave, shower, get dressed, have devotions. So I get up every day at the same time at 5.45. And I never have that alarm go off. I, by the way, I don't put it right by me. You learned this lesson. Not right by me. I put it at the end of my wife's dresser. I've got to walk about five or six feet to get to it. I don't walk. I stagger to it. But I have a rule. Once I'm up, I get up. Right? I don't get excited. I don't say, man, this is awesome getting up at 545. No, that's never crossed my mind. All right? But they rose up early in the morning. Sometimes when we do the will of God, it's not the easy thing to do. So first of all, we see that he was willing to follow his father. Secondly, we see in verse 2, he was willing to go by faith. Look what it says here. Upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Wow. He didn't even know which mountain he was going to. He said, get up, head out. I'll show you the mountain later on. By the way, it was three days journey before they could see the mountain. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But go by faith. By the way, I know what God wanted me to do today. By the way, you're doing it too. You're at church this morning. Because God's word says, forsake not the assembling yourselves together as the matter of some is. I know that's the will of God. I know that we're driving to Conroe, Texas. To Conroe, Texas for service tonight. I don't know the pastor. I don't know the church. Never been there before. That's the will of God for me for tomorrow. For tonight. <laughs> so we'll have lunch. We'll drive there. That's our next service. You see, where are you at on Tuesday? I don't know. Sufficient for the day is the evil there. All right. But we'll get in. My wife will put it in the GPS. Zero on the windshield. We'll follow that to the next place. Do you know that God will show you through his GPS where you should go? His GPS is right here. He'll show you where to go. Oh, by the way, he'll show you through preaching. He'll throw you, show you through prayer. He'll show you through his Holy Spirit that indwells you. Can I challenge you to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit? When God tells you to do something, just do it. You'll be glad that you did it. The Bible says in Genesis 24, verse 27, I be in the way the Lord led me. You're in the way this morning. Uh, you're in the way if you read your Bible this morning or read it yesterday morning. Maybe perchance you read yours at night. I don't do that because sometimes I'll sit there and I'll get through the whole day. It's 11 o'clock, getting in bed. I'm going, oh, I haven't had my devotions yet. I try to do it first thing in the morning. Now, I've got a brother who's a great Christian who is your bus kid, my brother Tim, one of the best Christians I know. He does his devotions at night. I can't do that. It doesn't work for me. I being in the way the Lord led me. Uh, isn't it good to know that Psalm 37 verse 23 says this? 
The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Let's listen to what he says. Let's do what he says. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. Let's step out by faith and allow him to guide us. Abraham left Ur by faith. He didn't know where he was going. He allowed God to show him. Abraham followed God by faith. Isaac followed his father by faith. Can I ask you, are you a son or daughter of God who's willing to follow by faith? Are you a son or daughter of God who's willing to follow by faith? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, we see first of all that he's willing to follow his father. Secondly, he's willing to go by faith. Third, he started right away. He started right away. He rose early in the morning. Don't procrastinate with God's will. Don't do it. I have a friend named Ron Hamilton. He can no longer write or sing. He sold Patch of Pirate cassettes and later CDs. He sold over a million and a half of them. One of his songs says this. I will obey the first time I'm told. I will obey right away. Never with a sigh, never asking why. I will obey right away. We try to teach that to our kids. Obey right away. Oh, that we would obey our Heavenly Father right away. Hey, go witness to that neighbor. Next thing you know, they moved. They passed away. Obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a statement. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Don't delay. Do it now. Do it right away. So do we hesitate when God speaks to our heart? Do we procrastinate when God speaks to our heart? Do we argue when God speaks to our heart? No, let's just say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. As Samuel said to God many, many years ago, just whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do that. Fourthly, he was willing to go far. He was willing to go far. They traveled three days before they could see the mountain afar off. That's a journey. Let me give you a little statement. Caleb, is something for you to think about. We never base the will of God on price or proximity. We never base the will of God on price or proximity. We'll say, what's going to cost me? Jesus gave everything for us. Or how close it is. For the Crips, I'm so tired of people saying, well, I'm going to go to junior college. It's close and it's free. Next time, pastor, so to go out, I know where I want to take them. It'll probably be the place called Madronas Fajitas. It's the best in California. It's not as good as Texas, but you'd like it. You get a big salad with it. It's just, it's good for like rice and beans and all that. Now, guess what? It's not the closest restaurant to the college. Can I tell you the five closest restaurants to the college? McDonald's, Taco Bell, Del Taco, KFC, Pizza Hut, and Wingstop. They're all two miles from the college. I've never taken a visiting preacher to those places. Well, McDonald's is close and cheap. Why would we base the will of God on what's close and cheap? It was David who said, that which cost me nothing I would not have. There's some sacrifice in the Christian life. So, he's willing to go far. 
I have two daughters and a son. My daughters are 39 and 37. My son's 29. And my daughter was in love with the young man. He was a music major at West Coast Baptist College. He's from Michigan. He's very happy because University of Michigan is undefeated still. And I'll never forget the first time I saw my grandsons. I grew up being a USC fan who just lost the other night. And I, was using, I saw my little grandsons wearing Michigan gear. They're like three and one. I, that was the saddest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> and now I root for Michigan because that's my son-in-law. And I sent him little clips. He came to me in the summer. He says, Dr. I need to talk to you. They were engaged. We get married the next Christmas. I said, don't hurt my girl. Don't hurt my girl. We said they had a talk the next day. It was a Thursday. <laughs> So I need to talk to you about something. I said, what is it? He said, I believe God's called me to be a missionary. I had it all set up for them to work for Pastor Tim in Canoga Park, 65 miles away. Nice, close place for grandkids. I know my brother's kind and gracious. He'd take good care of them. I said, are you sure? He said, yes. I said, that's what you need to do then. Because happiness is finding God's will and doing it. Then I asked this, where? Now I'm hoping Canada or Mexico. He said, the Philippines or Thailand. Now I'm not an expert in geography, but those are about 8,500 miles away. I said, if that's where the Lord wants you to go, that's where you need to go. And so for the last 11 years, my daughter, my son-in-law, and my grandkids, they were born during that time, have lived in Thailand, where their father and mother spent two years learning the language, where they worked in a church for a little while. Now, seven years ago, they planted a church. And about three weeks ago, they saw seven people get baptized in Thailand. Now, that's not normal. It's the most they've ever had. But I'm glad they're doing what God wants them to do. So parents, don't allow price or proximity to stand between your children and the will of God. My God shall supply all your needs. He promises to do that. Willing to go far. The Bible says, whosoever will compel thee to go with him a mile, go with him twain. I wonder, will we be a second mile Christian? Or we just do just enough? How many of you have heard the name of David Livingston before? Great missionary explorer in Africa. He literally walked across the continent. One day he got word from someone that said, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. Livingston responded, if you have men who will only come if there is a good road, I do not want them. He says, I want men to come who will come if there is no road at all. That challenged me. Are we willing to do the difficult things, the hard things for God? There's often great benefits from doing those difficult things. I read a story <coughs> in a book of illustrations that really made me stop and think. It was an ancient king and he had a big boulder placed in the middle of a road of one of the king's highways. And he hid it. He watched what would happen when people came to that boulder. Some of the king's wealthiest merchants and courtiers and officers of the court came by and they moaned and groaned. and said, why would the king not take care of this? They walked around it. 
and of course did nothing about moving the stone out of the way. Finally along came a peasant man. He laid down the burden he was carrying and he tried to push and strain to move the boulder. Couldn't do it. He took his staff and dug around it and so at least he could rock the boulder and dug around more and finally he could roll the boulder off the rope. And when he did, under that boulder he found a purse that was full of gold coins. And there was a note from the king. It said, this purse will belong to the person who removes the boulder from the road. I read that. I thought, I wonder what blessings I have missed. Because I went around a task that God gave me to do. I wonder what it is this week that we'll be faced with that say, oh. And our usual response is this, that's not my job. But the Bible says, what's in the power of your hand to do? What's in the power of your hand to do? Some people approach the extra mile with an attitude that makes you wonder if they inadvertently missed the previous exit. <laughs> we got to say, here's an opportunity to serve, to be a blessing. Number five in this passage, he was willing to go alone with only his father. There are two young men with them and Abraham said, stay here. Now, I'm supposing on this, I think he left them there because when it came time to kill his son, I think the young men would have stopped him. They would have thought Abraham had lost his mind. That's my thought. That's not in the Bible. That's my interpretation. So you have the two young men stay behind. He is willing to go on without his friends. Maybe you're going on without your family. Maybe even sadly, there might be some here go on without their spouse. I got a text this morning from a man by the name of Bob Humphrey. I love Bob. I had the privilege of leading him to Christ. His wife doesn't come to church. She says the church stole her husband from her. She came one time to see him get baptized the second week after he got saved and never been back since. She's bitter. He doesn't like me. Sometimes you have to go on alone. I know preachers whose wives decided they didn't want to be in the ministry anymore and left them. Sometimes you have to go on alone. A great man at Tennessee Temple, his wife left him. He wrote a very famous song. He just kept on going despite the hardship of his life. Genesis 22, 5, I and the lad will go yonder, the servants were left behind. In Genesis, Exodus 24, verse 2, Moses was alone when he met the, met the Lord by the burning bush. In Jeremiah 15, verse 17, Jeremiah says, I sat alone. In Mark 6, 47, Jesus was alone in the land. He'd rise up early in the morning to pray, alone. John 6, verse 15, Jesus departed to a mountain himself alone. John 8, 9, Jesus was left alone. Are you willing to go on alone with your heavenly Father? I really don't think my wife would ever leave me. I'm thankful for her. She's a patient lady. I've told her I want to be in ministry 50 years and be married 50 years. And she said, what are you going to do with me then? I said, we're going to keep on going. 
Somebody asked me the other day, said, how long have you been married? I said, not long enough. You know what would happen if she would leave me? I'd go with her. All right? All right, that's settled. Can I just tell you this? Sometimes we are alone as a Christian. But a songwriter said this, never alone, no, never alone. Because we've invited Jesus Christ in our heart. The Holy Spirit indwells us. He wants to help us. Isaac Watts, probably one of the two greatest English songwriters of all time, along with Charles Wesley, wrote a song after reading 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Walk ye, stand fast ye in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. You know what the song was he wrote? Am I a soldier of the cross? And that song says these words, must I be carried through the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others toil to win the prize and sail through bloody seas? There'll be tough times. As a soldier of the cross, we need to just keep going. Jesus said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is yet day. Night cometh when no man can work. Someday the trumpet sound will come. We which were alive and remain will meet him in the air. If we passed away, We'll rise to be him. You can't be a soul winner then. You can't help further the cause of Christ then. By the way, I'm a lot more concerned about my heavenly IRA than my earthly IRA. If I live to be 90 like my dad and father-in-law, I'll have 25 more years. A lot of people don't make it that long. A very famous picture by Gaylord Perry. He wrote a book called Me and the Spitter. He was known for throwing a spitball. He died last week. He was 79. By the way, we have a dormitory called the Lori Thomason Dormitory. My wife taught her in Sunday school. I taught her parents in my Sunday school class. I taught her in college. She died at 24 of cancer. None of us know how long we're going to have. So let's serve him. While it is yet day, night cometh when no man can work. Finally, number seven, I'm done. You've listened so well, just hit after. The Bible says this, he was willing to be a sacrifice. Elisha Hoffman asked in 1900, is your all the altar of sacrifice laid? Does your all the spirit control? Elisha Hoffman also wrote another song called Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Most of us have heard that song. He was willing to be a sacrifice. Can I just tell you this? Abraham at this time had to be at least 110 years of age. Isaac was probably 16 or 17. Could he have run away? Yes. Would Abraham have caught him? No. But he allowed himself to be bound. He had laid down on the altar. A living sacrifice. It's hard to be a living sacrifice. By the way, that's why God's word says we're to crucify the flesh daily. Die to self, die to praise, die to criticism. Crucify the flesh. Isaac said, I'm going to trust my father. He laid down on that altar. God stopped the hand of Abraham. And here we are talking about him over 3,000 years later. Because he was a good son. Can I challenge you as a son to follow your father? 
as a daughter to follow your father. To follow by faith. To follow immediately. To follow far. To follow alone. To follow, by the way, to work while you follow. He was carried the sticks. And finally, to follow in sacrifice. I believe if you'll do that, someday you'll say, I'm glad I did. And not say, I wish I had. I'll start by saying this. You can't serve God till first you're a son of God. The Bible says even the plowing of the wicked is sin. We need to know that we're his son. If perchance today you do not know for sure you're on your way to heaven. That's the singular most important decision you could ever make. The second most important decision I made was to marry my wife. 41 years, mother of my children, my helpmate, my completer. But the most important decision is to trust Christ. Because that lasts forever. My in-laws were married for 73 years. That's amazing. 73 years. My father-in-law passed away this last year. My mother-in-law is 93 and very infirm. But in the light of eternity, if you were to put one dot of ink on this wall, and that represented 93 years, and you were to go around putting a dot, I think it'd take a long time to do it, around this entire beautiful auditorium, by the time you got back here, all those segments of 93 years, be hundreds of thousands of years, and eternity would just be started. Just be started. So can I challenge you? Make sure you know where you're going to spend your eternity. And number two, live with eternity's values and views.